back to the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 106, Thursday, December 24th, 2020, and a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you listeners out there. I'm coming to you once again from good old Chicago, back home now. It's cold as shit here. A bit of a programming note, we were scheduled to bring on a very special guest this week to recap and review how... 2020 impacted the sports betting industry as a whole and where things stand and where things are going from here. But I decided yesterday that it's going to be best to push that interview out a few more days to early next week since next week is the last week of the year and I figured it would be better to do it that way. So in this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, I'm going to, it's going to be a quick one. I'm going to dive in to our weekend action. We've got college hoops, some college football bowl games, and of course, the second to last week of the NFL regular season. Bookmakers have to put up odds for all these games, but us betters, we get to pick and choose which ones we attack out there in the marketplace. And this holiday season, we have an unprecedented amount of legal, regulated options in a flourishing, rapidly expanding sports betting industry here in the U.S. 2020 has obviously been such a wild year for all of us, but one of the good things that's happened has been more widespread legalization and more of the lifting of the veil, so to speak, when it comes to the stigma around sports betting. More than half the states have passed some sort of or some form of legalized sports betting, uh, legalization, although not yet half have launched yet, but there are more on the way in 2021 and beyond. And as I've said since day one on the Doggy Juice Pod over two years ago, more expansive legal regulated betting here in the U.S. is better for us, the betters. Uh, With more books, there's more options for us to price shop and get the best number. But it's also good for the integrity of the games themselves with more of the betting being above board and legit. And in turn, that's bringing more tax revenue for the states. And as we know, many of the states sorely need that tax revenue right now. So uh, with more legal options and more books, that means there's more competition, therefore more of an incentive to innovate with new technologies and new betting options and new ways to watch and enjoy the games we love. So very exciting times ahead. I'm looking forward to examining where we are at, where things are going in the sports betting space with my guest Jake next week. Um, our resident doggy juice pod degenerate, the Danimal, is back in this episode of the pod making an appearance uh, appearance again. He has a few weekend picks for you all. And of course, I'll close out the pod with the official Doggy Juice Pod, Week 16 NFL Plays. Let's get going. Yeah, baby! (laughs) November sports betting handle numbers are out for most states in the country, the states that have legal regulated betting, of course. And we saw the best ever returns for an individual state's first month, and that was in Tennessee. Tennessee boasted $131 million in handle from sports betting in November. And the fact that it's online only... Um, I think had everything to do with this in Tennessee. I suppose it also doesn't hurt that the Titans are doing so well in the NFL lately too. But we saw four operators live for the state's launch at the beginning of last month. But like I said, going online only is the reason why there's been so much success early on in Tennessee. And there's more operators coming there in in the the upcoming months as well. Uh, It's already the sixth best state market over uh, in Tennessee. Coming in at number five, was Colorado, where I spent most of last month myself. We saw $230 million wagered over there in the beautiful Rocky Mountain state. And interestingly, table tennis was somehow significant yet again in Colorado. People over there uh, just love to bet their table tennis. 
unrelated to betting handle, but we also saw big news coming out of New York last week when Governor Cuomo explicitly mentioned sports betting as a valuable source of state revenue moving forward. This is significant because, as we know, sports betting is legal in New York State, but it's currently uh, retail only, and the state's casinos are all located upstate. So essentially, you can't bet there in New York unless you want to physically go into a brick-and-mortar casino to do so, and therefore... All New Yorkers looking to get down are instead taking their action across the bridge into New Jersey. At least all the people in New York City are doing so um, if they're not just betting with their corner bookies and, and offshore as well. Uh, but with New York City hurting due to you know COVID-19, the pandemic this year, and with the city on the brink of a, a fiscal crisis uh, in, in the upcoming years, especially next year, I think speeding up the process of getting mobile wagering going in, in New York is clearly an enticing option for Governor Cuomo and the lawmakers in that state. So it's absolutely something to pay attention to moving forward because we know how massive the handle will be in the largest city in the country if we can log onto our phones at the Starbucks on 3rd Avenue and 23rd Street near Gramercy Park to place some bets. So definitely something to watch moving forward. And as always, the Doggy Juice Pod is here to keep you updated on the latest happenings in sports betting legalization here in the U.S., And like I said at the top, next week's episode will be dedicated to looking at all the developments in 2020 and looking at where things are going from here as we prepare to turn the calendar to 2021. They're obviously, these are, these are obviously incredibly exciting times in the space. So uh, fun times, fun stuff to look forward to. All right, let's jump into some college hoops real quick. We're almost a month into the college basketball season already. We've already seen some really fun games. A lot of sloppy play as well, but that's to be expected with you know lack of practice time due to COVID and teams taking extended breaks. I know some teams go, have gone a couple weeks in between uh, games. Top teams against the spread to start the season. I'm starting to update this every week, but there's one standout team right now. That's the Drake Bulldogs, the official Doggy Juice Pod team of the year in college hoops. Two seasons ago, we had that wonderful run. Uh, two years ago where the betting market just wasn't catching up to that squad, so we just kept cashing tickets left and right to close out the season that year. Uh, but this season, Drake is 7-0 and against the spread to start to start the year as I record this on Thursday afternoon, Christmas Eve. Uh, other teams undefeated against the spread so far in college hoops, Baylor and Grand Canyon are both 6-0 and against the spread. Winthrop, Kennesaw State, and Southern Illinois, who I talked about in the season preview as a program to pay attention to to start the season. Uh, those teams are all 5-0 and against the spread. Toledo in the MAC, they're 8-2 and against the spread so far. Liberty and Bryant are both at 7-1 and against the number. So strong starts to the season relative to market expectations for those programs. On the flip side, worst teams against the spread in college hoops to start the season. Uh, team that's a glaring one, Northern Illinois, 0-7 against the spread disappointing all of their point spread better so far this year and there's a few other teams that are that are winless against the spread as well uh, but other notable teams performing poorly relative to market expectations so far Arizona State and Cincinnati both one and six against the spread Lipscomb and Texas State uh, also at one and six against the number and and the bigger name programs also performing poorly that are notable uh, performing poorly in the marketplace. Duke one and four against the spread so far, and Iowa State in the Big Twelve one and five against the spread. And like I said last week on the episode last week, in future episodes moving forward, 
I'm going to start shifting the focus more towards college hoops here on the pod as we transition from more football to more basketball in the next few months. And most of you long-term listeners out there know that college basketball is my single favorite sport to handicap and the one with the most edges that we can find in the marketplace on a daily basis. All right, it's, it's bowl season, though, on the college gridiron, so time to move on to some college football. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. College football playoff is set, and odds for the two semifinal games and even look-ahead lines for potential uh, championship or national championship uh, uh, final matchups went up as well. Um, those went up over the weekend last week, and we've already seen some uh, some line movement on those two semifinal games scheduled for New Year's Day. Number one, Alabama, opened a monster favorite against number four, Notre Dame. In, uh, it was around the 17.5 to 20.5 point range, uh, depending on where you shopped when the line popped. But that line ticked up universally before some buyback on the dog. It's the largest point spread in college football playoff history. I don't show much value on that one according to my numbers, but it, I do lean the way of Notre Dame just from a sheer numbers perspective. At 21, I would definitely scoop up some Notre Dame catching the full three touchdowns. Might even end up uh, doing so at 20 for something smaller, depending on how things look heading into the game, uh, heading closer to game day, but probably not. This Alabama team is just something special. And, and when you compare them historically to teams, you know, since I've been doing power ratings in college football, LSU's team last year was the highest team I've ever rated at the end of the year. And that Alabama team is ticking up to that level. Uh, it's pretty wild to watch how, how just dominant they've been. And obviously the defense past couple years has taken a step back, it seems, but the offense absolutely something to behold and it's reflected in the the Heisman Trophy odds which uh, I'm going to get to in a second here but in the other game Clemson opened a touchdown favorite against Ohio State uh, depending on where you shopped of course uh, early money ticked uh, took that one up to as high as eight eight and a half on Clemson at some spots before there was some buyback on the dog and now it's sitting at seven with some added juice on Clemson I agree with that buyback move on the Buckeyes um, actually scooped up some Ohio State plus seven and a half plus eight myself after I got my game grading done from last week. But there is definitely some injury uncertainty with Justin Fields, obviously the Buckeyes, but the line looked a bit inflated and that one according to my numbers after I did all my grading and still waiting to see um, how things play out. But nothing wrong with, with playing some Ohio State catching uh, plus seven and a half or better uh, the touchdown and the hook just due to the asymmetric risk in doing so. Obviously the risk in the line moving up to eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, which are relatively you know dead numbers, is not the same as the risk in losing out on that seven and a half. If the line goes to seven, your mathematical edge dissipates quite quite quickly. So same idea on the flip side, if you're looking to play on Clemson and miss the good numbers that you could have had when the line opened, uh, there's not much risk in, in waiting this one out and seeing if the line ticks down to seven or even below a touchdown, uh, depending on what you're looking at. But, you know, the the risk in waiting, if you're looking to, like me and leaning the way of Ohio State, um, you know, there's not much of a risk in, in losing out on an extra point, point and a half if the line continues to move up. I, I don't expect that one to ever hit 10 uh, unless there's some unforeseen injury issues or if Justin Fields, you know, things get even worse with him. Uh, so there's not much risk there in, in uh, the line moving up, but you definitely want to scoop up some of that plus seven and a half, plus eight while you can. Updated Heisman odds. Wide receiver Devonta Smith for Alabama is the new betting favorite at around minus 200. That number's ticked up even since the start of the week. I was seeing about minus 160 on uh, Monday at a couple places, but that's a pretty wild move because obviously we know that 
It's been a two-horse race between uh, you know Kyle Trask for Florida and Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, uh, the past few weeks. And Trask was the favorite for a while, obviously, before Florida lost outright uh, a couple weeks ago before they even played Alabama in the SEC championship game. So uh, Kyle Trask no longer being considered, essentially. Mac Jones is second, though, uh, the Alabama quarterback, plus 160, plus 175 range. That's the way I would look, just because traditionally quarterbacks win this thing. And you really got to remember, when you're handicapping Heisman, it has nothing to do with who the best player actually is or who you think the best player is. It's 100% about handicapping the people that are voting on the Heisman Trophy Award. And when you look at, you know, historically, quarterbacks win this thing every year. I don't know if you're if your angle is that they're looking for a wide receiver just to mix things up and it's 2020 and, you know, new shit's happening this year, you know, that could be something. But I think there's no – it's just not a good bet taking Devonta Smith right now. And, of course, follow the, the money as well. You know, if you see this this uh, line steam up, then some people might know some things that could change the equation a little bit. Uh, but Devonta Smith is not something I would bet right now at minus 200, especially when you could have had him at a nice plus price the past few weeks. But Mac Jones might be worth a little – sprinkle at uh, the plus money that he's at right now. Trevor Lawrence has seen some money come in on him. He was 16 to 1 at the beginning of the week, but that number's dropped. I'm seeing 7 to 1 on him now offshore to win the Heisman. Uh, and then you have Najee Harris and Kyle Trask. Uh, it's the long shots on the board at 40 to 1 or so, but neither of them's going to win the award. Uh, so that's something to pay attention to. But we have bowl games this year. Obviously, it's not looking uh, like it has in previous years. It's different. Of course, we've seen a lot of player and program opt-outs. 22 total teams, by my last count, have opted out of bowl games, which, of course, is opening the door for other teams to play in bowl games, namely a few 2-8, uh, you know, and 3-7 and seven teams that really don't deserve to be there. But early returns on the games, the few games that we've seen so far, have shown us that the teams with more player opt-outs are playing more poorly against the number, uh, the, the way the market's pricing them. So that's something to keep in mind on a macro level. Uh, then you have teams that are struggling with COVID ahead of their bowl game, like my Iowa Hawkeyes are a perfect example of that, dealing with their own COVID issues ahead of next week's Music City Bowl against Missouri, which is, of course, impacting Iowa's practice schedule already, so something to monitor there. Another macro point is the Sun Belt teams absolutely got the shaft this year, namely um, UL Lafayette, who beat Iowa State, um, and Iowa State lost multiple games this year, and obviously Lafayette just lost to Coastal Carolina, who and we know everything about Coastal Carolina this season. Uh, public's favorite team that's not in a power five but UL Lafayette not playing in a New Year's uh, bowl game Iowa State is we all know how much I love Iowa State that's a separate from separate from this though when you look at the team's resumes you know the fact that UL Lafayette went into Ames Iowa and beat Iowa State and you know still got the shaft this year I think it just shows everything you need to know about how this thing is all about money the committee and it's not a meritocracy that's for sure uh, but Army, it is nice, you know, and, and good news in that regard on the flip side. It's nice seeing Army get a bowl game. They're in the Liberty Bowl on New Year's Eve against West Virginia, replacing Tennessee, who opted out. Something you love to see because it was ridiculous that, that some of those 2-8 and eight and 3-7 and seven SEC teams were getting bowl game invites, and Army wasn't after the type of season that they put up. Uh, West Virginia is a 7.5-point favorite in that one with a low total, obviously, for an Army game at 41.5. Uh, something to monitor there. But some macro bowl game betting angles to touch on before I get to the official, to the Doggy Juice Pod bowl game plays that I've got for you here on the podcast this week. But I've talked about this in previous years on the pod, but college football bowl game season is definitely one of the most unique handicapping periods of the entire year. It's one that can be one of the most profitable 
times a year for us betters, especially due to the sheer length of time that some of these lines uh, usually sit up on the betting board, some of them for nearly a month on a, in a normal year. Uh, but this time of year is especially profitable for those who could stay on top of team news. You can even argue more so, of course, with COVID. Uh, but it's also that time of year where we have to play amateur psychologists because without question, by far the most important factor when it comes to handicapping bowl games is team motivation. And to that end, the first question you have to present to yourself when you're handicapping these games is what were the teams that I'm looking at? What, are their, what were their expectations at the start of the season? And what are their expectations now at the end of the season? And, you know, there's, there's some teams that are going to be really happy and ecstatic to be playing in a bowl game, maybe for the first time ever, for the first time ever some of these players, or maybe it's a bowl game they didn't expect to be in at the start of the year. It could be a big deal for some of these schools. Um, so it's really diving into the psychology of it all and trying to make uh, – you know, try, trying to get in the heads of all the, not just the players, but the coaches too, and the way they're going to prepare for the game and looking at coaches that might be lame ducks that aren't going to be coaching next year, already have their foot in the door somewhere else that impacts the way the players are playing. You know, if there's just a, a babysitter coach situation with an interim coach, or if there's a new coach coming in, you know, just for the bowl game, who's going to take over the program that can change the way the team prepares and, and the, and the, the way the players treat their preparation as well. So looking at a team's preseason expectations where you think they expected to be at this time of year is going to go a long way into tapping into their team psychology heading into their bowl game. And another important tenant to touch on, one that I've I've learned to be the case many years ago and, and to go along with the whole motivation angle, there are simply a wider range of potential outcomes in these bowl games um, every year, meaning that sometimes we see you know, major blowouts in these games because some of these teams just never show up due to that motivation angle while you know, others do show up for the game. And to that end, I recommend in bowl season to never look to play big favorites. And obviously we don't speak in absolutes. There's always exceptions to everything. But I never look to play big favorites on the money line uh, in bowl season. There's just too much variability in these bowl games. But definitely on the flip side, definitely look to play underdogs on the money line as well as the point spread. So I usually actually put up a larger percentage of my investment on a team on the money line in relation to the spread around bowl season. So, if, you know, if I'm normally playing one unit on a game and I'm splitting it, you know, 80% on the spread and 20% on the money line or, you know, 85-15, during bowl season, I, I sometimes look to do more of a 70-30 split or something along those lines, put more on the money line, uh, on the, especially these bigger underdogs, because every year in bowl season, we'd see some of these big money line underdogs cash. And of course, that's not to say that it's an exact science because it's not, especially in a year like this with COVID, but it's definitely something you should remember heading into future years. We have a ton of games coming up. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to deep dive into every single bowl game here, but I do have some plays for you all for this weekend and some positions that I think are, are worthy of taking, uh, especially one in particular heading into next week's game. So starting with Liberty catching seven and a half points against number 12 Coastal Carolina in the Cure Bowl on Saturday. For those of you who don't remember or even know this fact, Coastal Carolina and Liberty used to be Big South rivals in that conference, and they played in their previous 14 meetings, they played to a 7-7 seven, seven to seven tie. So there's a, a rivalry angle there for sure. And if you don't remember, these two teams were supposed to play one another uh, with College Game Day present in early December this year, and that's the game that Liberty had the COVID issue, so they had to cancel it. And, uh, and that's the weekend BYU ended up coming in and scheduling that game with Coastal Carolina at the last minute. And Coastal Carolina obviously won that game 
uh, outright as a 10-point closing underdog. So now fast forward to this week, and Coastal has COVID issues of their own. Liberty, on the other hand, at 9-1 and this season, definitely no slouch. And uh, catching a full touchdown plus the hook here is too good of a value to pass up on in this game. I have this game lined at 5.2 on my numbers, and even with that, I think we see a nice motivational edge with the, with the underdog here. So, of course, sprinkle some of that money line. Also on Saturday, but this one's a total, and I'm glad to hear a few other opinions I tend to trust in the college football handicapping space agree with me on this one, but the under 56 in the Louisiana Lafayette UTSA game, the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl on Saturday afternoon. Uh, that total is coming down a bit as well. I agree with that move, and I was a part of that move, uh, getting down a good portion of my position at 57, but now I'm, I'm seeing some spots down at 55 and a half. Be sure to shop around. I, I see the Canby books, namely DraftKings, Bet Rivers, and, and Barstool for those people that have that book in other states. Um, the Canby books are still at 56 minus 109 on the under as I record this on Thursday. So call this one good at 55 and a half or better, but for reduced position. Uh, but be sure to, to snatch that 56 while you can. Colorado plus 10 against Texas for a reduced position. Be sure to shop around for this one because uh, the market has moved uh, to a market consensus of 9.5. It looks like on that one, I agree with that move. It's also a part of that move. I know I told some of you listeners out there a few days ago that there was a rogue Colorado plus 11.5 with the reduced VIG also at the Canby books earlier in the week. But uh, I think this game definitely speaks to the team motivation angle uh, that I was talking about. And I think more often than not, Colorado keeps this game within single digits or even wins the game outright. Of course, sprinkle money line on them. Uh, next Tuesday in that game against Texas. Texas just nowhere near where they were hoping to be at the start of the season. Looks like Tom Herman's lame duck coach over there. And uh, and Colorado, on the other hand, they you know they should be ready to to, uh, to stay motivated and be in this game against uh, Texas, who's clearly the superior team, no doubt about it. But uh, Colorado catching 10 or better, I think, is a good bet. And then looking ahead at one game that I really like next week where I recommend getting down on an early position if you can because that one's starting to move already, and that's in the Cotton Bowl with Oklahoma plus three against Florida and the money line at plus 130 as well. I'm seeing Camby uh, books are at plus 132 right now as I record this, so uh, gobble that up. I actually make Oklahoma a slight favorite in this one, so I think we're getting great value on a Sooners offense that is really rounded into form since it's bye week in the middle of the season. I don't think the market is pricing this one properly. Uh, be sure to shop around for a three. Be careful on the, on the VIG as well, because uh, moving on and off three is worth about 19 cents in the NFL, but even less in college, and especially in a college football game with a higher total featuring two potent offenses like this. So you definitely don't want to be spending 20 cents to buy this one to three. Let's, let's call this one good at plus three um, at minus... Uh, 125 or better. Um, but my numbers actually show value on this one, you know, getting plus money on the money line as well, pretty much any plus money. So gobble up that Oklahoma money line at plus 130 or better while you still can. All right, time to move on to the NFL. Hello! Two touchdown plus underdogs, one outright last week. You all know about that and how historic that was, so I won't dive into too many specifics in terms of how historic it actually was, but Per ESPN's David Purdom, it was the first time two NFL underdogs of 14-plus points won a game outright in the same week since week 13 of the 1973 season. I was negative many years old at that point. And from 1978 to 
2017 underdogs of 17 plus points won only three times over that 40 year stretch. But with the Jets win on Sunday, a dog of 17 plus points, like we just said, that's now one in three consecutive seasons. So pretty wild. In 2018, it was the Bills over the Vikings, and last year it was the Dolphins over the Patriots. Uh, last, obviously, last week we got our money in good with the Steelers at, at minus 12 and a half, minus 13 here on the pod before that line moved. Um, as the week went by, the line actually closed 14 and a half on the uh, Steelers lane 14 and a half, but uh, they were one of those two who lost outright. And of course, obviously the Rams lost a 17 point or plus point favorites against the Jets, who got their first week of the season or their first win of the season. Obviously, uh, this week we have one Christmas Day game, three games on Saturday, six in the early slate on Sunday, four in the late afternoon slate on Sunday, and then of course Sunday night football and Monday night football. Before we dive into the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 16 plays, let's hear who our pal the Danimal is on this week. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, the Danimal. Got a couple picks here. Santa locks of the year. These picks can't lose. It's Christmas Eve. I'm feeling good. I'm seeing the board. Let's start. Saints. Minus six and a half over the Vikings. I was impressed with the Saints defense against the Chiefs. Vikings are dead. They stink. Saints win by over a touchdown here. Next pick. The Bills. Bills Mafia. I think I bet them almost every week. They dance on the Patriots' grave this week. They've been looking forward to this for so long. They win by double digits. Bills going away. Last pick, Titans getting a field goal, three and a half maybe. I think they beat the Packers. I really do. So sprinkle, sprinkle that money line. Bills minus seven. Titans plus three, three and a half. Saints minus six, six and a half. Lock those in. Winners left and right. Merry Christmas to all. Three winners. Good night. All right. Thank you very much to the Danimal, and good luck with your action this weekend. Danimal's been dishing out long-term winners on the pod here for a long time now, so special happy holidays to him, and thank you to everything he's been doing here to help grow the pod. Uh, Time to close out the episode with the official Doggy Juice Pod Week 16 NFL Plays. NFL Lions are even tougher to beat at the end of the season than at the beginning of the season. NFL is the hardest sport to beat in the long term, so tread carefully with 14 data points to work with on every single team. Everyone out there looking to bet these games is working with a lot of the same information, especially at the end of the week, towards the end of the week right now, when the Lions are really hammered out in the marketplace. But one game that I still think is worth getting into play on is the Eagles on the money line, and at minus two on the spread versus the Cowboys. This line has ticked up a little bit during the week, but laying anything less than a field goal with the Eagles is a good look here, I believe. The Cowboys have been beneficiaries to some uh, some turnover luck in the past few games. Uh, the fact that they won those games despite showing essentially no edge on the stat sheet uh, when doing my game grades is opening up just enough value to get into play on the superior team in the Eagles who are getting a lot of players back healthy and uh, really with a realistic chance to win the division still in this game. I was hoping for a better number, but the market is pretty sharp on Dallas right now. Not quite sharp sharp enough, though. So I recommend a reduced position on the Eagles' money line and the spread at minus 2 or better. I know the Camby books are at minus 132 on the money line as I record this. And the Dimers bot over at the Quick Picks section at Dimers.com agrees with this one, showing a nice 6.2% edge 
on the Eagles laying two in this one on Sunday. The Steelers plus one and a half at home against the Colts and the under 45 in that one as well. The total has moved down to 44 and a half on that one. I agree with that line move. So reduce the bet a little bit at 44 and a half. Call it good at 44 better, but 45 is a relatively key uh, number for totals in the NFL. So be sure to shop around and, you know, it's worth playing at 45. Uh, Obviously, if you could find it and, and maybe lay a little bit of extra vig, but uh, the look ahead on this one was Steelers minus three just last week. So you better believe the market is pricing in the Steelers' poor performance on Monday Night Football already in this one. Obviously, the league seems to have figured out the Steelers in their short passing game, lack of a run game. But the Steelers have also been dealing with, obviously, injury issues. And yes, it was a terrible spot on Monday Night where it was the ultimate get-up spot for them and back-to-back losses, with finally with some extra rest. Obviously, we laid it with them last week and they lost outright, but... This is a perfect buy-low spot on the Steelers and the perfect sell-high spot on the Colts, uh, in my opinion, this week. So I, I think it's just a good bet to make. And in terms of the total, you know, expect both of these teams to slow this game down. It's a very important spot involving two of the team's be- or two of the league's best defenses, and in a game with major playoff implications, the Colts' offense. I think it's going to have a tough time versus the Steeler defense and the short passing game for the Steelers should keep the clock moving in this one as well. Both these teams are bottom half in the league in terms of pace on offense. So of course it stands to reason, stands to reason that I like the Colts team total under in this one, since I like the Steelers on the spread and the, and the game to go under the total. So if you're looking to bet on this one uh, and all those angles, I would split the investment around between the Steelers plus one and a half, the Steelers money line uh, plus money, the under, and the Colts team total under, and I will be including the Steelers on my teaser card this weekend as well. More on that in a moment. Strong lean to the Cardinals laying five against the 49ers. I really wanted to see uh, minus four to get involved on this one, and and, uh, the Cardinals laying three to get involved for something more serious, but I still might end up playing this one anyway. I know that former guest and friend of the pod, Matt Landis, likes the Cardinals in this one as well. So for those of you listeners out there who don't know Matt, uh, he hosts the Props and Hops podcast, another Dimers podcast. I was honored to be the first guest on that pod when I went on about a month and a half or so ago to discuss the latest developments in sports betting legalization. Props and Hops is a great weekly listen where Matt dives into the weekly betting board and also weaves in his beer selections every week. Matt's a notable and trained beer connoisseur. I actually had the pleasure of hanging out with him and his wonderful wife, Allison, out in California this past weekend uh, when my fiance and I headed over uh, to hang out in their incredible back patio with quite the screen for viewing games. And um, Matt treated us to an awesome an awesome array of beers, but it was topped off by Heady Topper by Alchemist Beer, which he calls the godfather of, of hazy IPAs. And it was the best hazy IPA I've, I've ever had in my life. Can't recommend it enough. But anyway, hearing Matt on the Cardinals this week as well might be the extra push I needed to get involved in that one and a special thank you to Matt for hooking me up with some excellent beers uh, to go last weekend. (laughs) Moving on to teasers last week, we got burned on our official doggy juice pod teaser of the week. Bill Belichick decided to go for it on fourth and three uh, down uh, 10 points instead of kicking the field goal and then going for the onside kick in the last minute. There was a pricey decision by Bill Belichick there. Uh, He was the one who you would think would be most likely to make the right decision there and kick that field goal. Maybe since they had already kicked four field goals and hadn't scored a touchdown in the game, that could have impacted his decision-making a little bit. But uh, 
you know, just something you don't expect at all. The guy who's least likely to make that decision. So that did make that one sting, but it happens. It's human nature to dwell on the bad beats like that uh, and not appreciate the good beats when the ball does bounce our way. Uh, so nothing we can do about that stuff. We can't control, so we move on. And that moves us to 8-4 and four this season on the official Doggy Juice Pod teasers of the week. Uh, but, you know, we passed a few of the weeks, obviously, too. But that doesn't also count the countless other teaser legs that we've won on this season on the podcast. It's been a banner year for teasers, that's for sure. And teasers this week, there's a bunch of them that fit the classic Stanford Wong model of teasing through the key numbers of 3-7 and seven on a two-team, six-point NFL teaser, as long as you're not laying a vig of more than minus 120. Of course, if you have a book that allows you to lay just minus 110, cherish that book. Be good to them because it's such a mathematical edge over the long term to bet these things. So um, we're going to continue doing them while we can. And I know you know certain books out there are trying to charge even more vig. you got to shop around. Make sure you're not laying more than minus 120 on those. But teams that fit the model this week, the Bears against the Jaguars. Uh, you can tease them down from minus 7.5 through the 7 and the 3 down to minus 1.5. Ask the Bears, who are looking for a playoff spot right now, a playoff push, and their season win total uh, is definitely in play right now as well. Uh, but they're facing off against the Jags team that obviously is in the driver's seat now for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. You're looking, you know, you know that management doesn't want them to win this game, and by teasing the Bears down to minus one and a half, we're essentially asking them just to win that game outright in Jacksonville this weekend. Similar spot with the Texans, teasing them down from minus 7.5 down to minus 1.5 against the Bengals at home this weekend. Uh, Bengals obviously coming off that big win against the Steelers in for a classic letdown spot. And this game, obviously, in Houston, the clearly better team, asking them to win the game, essentially win the game outright by teasing them down to minus 1.5 is a great bet. Cincinnati, I do have, has power rated as the worst team in the league right now, even despite that win last week. And uh, you better believe that they're Management doesn't want them to win that game and, and ruin their draft prospects as well. So Texans down from minus 7.5 to minus 1.5 is a great look. The reeling Steelers can tease them up from plus 1.5 to plus 7.5 against the Colts, and obviously with the low total at 44.5 consensus uh, that you know, you're know you still teasing through those key numbers, but with less points to come by, that's increasing the relative value of every point we're teasing across there because remember, teasers are just buying points. That's all it is. You're paying for it. And when the game is a lower total, the value of each point you're teasing across is worth more, but you're still paying the same price. The Panthers, similarly, low total of 43 in their game against Washington. You could tease them up from plus 1.5 to plus 7.5. Just ask them to uh, lose that game by a touchdown or less. And the Rams, that one's moving now, so act quickly. Uh, but at least a couple spots you could tease them up from plus 1.5 to plus 7.5 against the Seahawks. That one is disappearing, but I do see FanDuel as I record this. They're at plus 1.5, minus 120 on the Rams, but you're still paying that same price on the teaser. So even though the game's at plus one and a half, minus 120, you could tease them up to seven and a half through three and seven above the seven, which is key, getting above that fence, and you're still paying the same price. So FanDuel, you could still get on that right now. And then the Cowboys from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half, of course, fits the model against the Eagles, but I don't like that one, of course, because I've mentioned earlier I like the Eagles uh, on the point spread in that one. So I do think the Bears, the Texans, the Steelers, Panthers, and Rams are all worthy additions to your teaser card this weekend. So key all of those in with one another. And a special mention, obviously, of that Rams teaser on FanDuel that you can still get up through the three and the seven. That's still widely available as I record this. For the official Doggy Juice Pod teaser of the week uh, this week, let's call it the Texans down to minus one and a half at home against the Bengals. 
paired with the Steelers up from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half at home against the Colts. I was torn between the Bears and the Texans on this one. I almost had to flip a coin on which one I included. Uh, so really, either of those are close to being, you know, both of those are close to being equal options. So bet accordingly, obviously. Uh, just because it's got the name Doggy Juice Pod Teaser of the Week doesn't mean it's that much stronger. Honestly, it's just similar play. But for the official play, it'll be the Texans down to minus one and a half, and the Steelers up to plus seven and a half. We're eight and four on the official Doggy Juice Pod Teasers of the Week this season so far after stumbling the last two weeks. But let's finish the season strong. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. If you enjoy listening and have learned more about sports betting or if you've been able to add to your bankroll by listening uh, this season or in previous seasons, I would really appreciate it if you just took two seconds and rated the pod on Apple Podcasts and left a review. It helps get this thing out to more people who could benefit from it, and it would mean the world to me if you just took a few moments just to do that as a small little Christmas gift to the Doggy Juice Pod. And you can give yourself a nice little Christmas bonus by signing up for and playing in the Dimers Sweet Six NFL competition brought to you by the Doggy Juice Pod. It's free to play, so completely risk-free. takes 30 seconds to sign up and make your picks. All you have to do is answer six out of six questions correctly, and you win $1,000. The questions aren't even hard. It's, it's things like who's going to win this game outright or who's going to be the first touchdown score in this game this weekend. So go six for six on those, and you win a grand. It's that simple. Just go to freetoplay.dimers.com and sign up. Answer those six questions. Go six for six and take home that $1,000. I would love nothing more than for one of my listeners to win a dime from Dimers during the holiday season. Uh, we have a great weekend of games ahead of us. I'll get back. Uh, I'll be back early next week with a very special interview, one that I've looked forward to for a while now, with a guest who is seen as one of the foremost experts in the sports betting space in the U.S. and who runs a pod himself that, let's just say, gets a lot of more listeners than, it does, than the Doggy Juice Pod does. Over one million listeners recently, actually. So, take a look back. Uh, we're going to take a look back at, at 2020. Take a glance at where we think the sports betting industry is going to be heading in 2021. You don't want to miss it. A very Merry Christmas to all of you. This is the time to put things into perspective and spend valuable time with our family and friends. However, we're celebrating the holidays this year. I hope you find plus EV ways to celebrate, whether that's a a nice meal, drinking some special wine or beer or bourbon, whatever gets you in that holiday spirit. Life is short. And betting and attacking uh, the betting markets on a daily basis can sometimes serve to blind us from the bigger picture. So this is the perfect time to step back, reflect, and appreciate what really matters. I love you all. Good luck with your action this weekend. Enjoy the games. And I will talk to you all next week. Doggy Juice out. (laughs) 